And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Bird to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just the trio of feathery brethren, weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like Scrammy's top with cheese. It's Philadelphia. Bo Sheel and Zach kicking it cooler than three penguins till Zach runs off with his valet keys. He's a real nuanced goose. Pull up a branch, get loose. It's time for some juice on some birds with friends. The early bird gets the worm, but prefers getting turned like a turn on some birds with friends. Bo Sheel and Zach coming at you with steps and things, flapping their wings on. Do you think Jack Del Rio's not going to go to the bar and get a drink and then come back and, and you know, run his meeting? Give me a break. I, I can't speak what Jack Del Rio's going to do. But, 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 but what I can tell you is, Marissa, is that... Marissa, let's make that the drop. <laughs> yeah, but uh, what I can tell you is... Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends on a Wednesday afternoon. Bo Wolf, Shil Kapadia, Zach Berman here to talk to you about the Philadelphia Eagles with Marissa Morris on the ones and twos. And guys... You know, this is a 2-4-1 and one team. They're playing a team that's just as bad, 2-5. and five. But I got to ask you, Zach, do you still get a little pep in your step knowing that it's Dallas week? Do you, do you feel more excited about that than a normal week? Honestly, all these uh, people who ask the questions have, have reasons to ask it. Like, we are working on particular stories sometimes, and we ask esoteric questions. If you're a television reporter and, and, and you're reporting for a mass audience and they're interested in Eagles-Cowboys week, I, I don't hold any Ill, Ill will against that. No, but, I, I, but I'm also allowed to ask the same questions, don't you think? Sure. I, I mean, Shield, well, do you have an extra I, 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 I get up for every week, so. Mm, I don't know, that's right. Uh, Pe- Pepin, I'll tell you what, what gives me a little pep in my step is, you know, I, I like to peruse I like to peruse the uh, interwebs. Is that what the kids say? Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, I stumbled across this article. Some might say this is the most read football column on the internet every week. Uh, Zach, would you say that? You're, you're a man who knows oh. journalism. Peter King's Football Morning in America, would you say? Most I, have, read? I have not missed a Peter King column since I was in high school. I mean, wow. G- GMs, yeah. coaches, right? Agents. This is uh, people in the media. Everyone's reading that bad boy, right? Absolutely. You know, I was, and so I stumbled across this this little section. It's called. Now, did you foot- stumble across it, or did you uh, did you head there after a six thirty a.m. text from Zach Berman? A football story of the week, and just like to read it out loud. Bo Wolf of the Athletic on Eagles left tackle Jordan Mailata. The Australian Rugby League player who came to the United States in search of the American football life in 2018, knowing nothing about any of the teams or players in the league. Now, he's one of the keys to the Eagles' playoff hopes. Writes Wolf, there is no precedent for what he's done. No position player has ever made his way in the league without any prior football experience. Mylata serves as the poster boy for the Pathway program and the global search for talent, but good luck finding someone else like him. It's just insane 
how everything panned out, said, my lotta. <laughs> Thank, thank you for the music, Marissa. Outstanding. Uh, as always. And so, you know, last week we had the Zach acceptance speech for the award. And this week, Bo, you have the football story of the week by the preeminent football writer in America. How does it feel? Uh, it feels pretty good. Uh, you know, Peter and I, obviously, uh, long time, very close friends. But I do have to say, we got a lot to talk about about Jordan Mailata because it seems like maybe the Eagles haven't been reading that story. They may have uh, different ideas in mind. So I think that will be the crux of this episode. Yeah, no, nice try. Uh, Now, this is the uh, second time, I believe, Bo, you have gotten this honor. Is that correct? I believe your Jason Kelsey story that Zach called the best Eagle story written in 2019. That also got the nod. I believe uh, it's the third correct. time. I believe I think it's third? Third time. I think what was Josh, the other one? I think Josh McCown got the shout out in there as well. Yeah. Uh, three times? Zach, have you ever gotten a football story of the week from uh, PK? Uh, yes, I have. But that's, <laughs> <a sense>. <laughs> <laughs> oh. that's a, w- Which story did you it, write? The guy? That, that's besides the point. This is, no, this is no, about you gotta, both. We gotta, you got to dish it in, out. In the words of Andy Reid, this is Bo's day. No, Wait, no are you, one, are you what, a, what was it? Uh, there was a John Dornbos story that was mentioned in there. There was a Nick Foles story that was mentioned twice. In there. But that's, Wait, that's like two or three. About, it sounded like he was about to go for a third too. No, Is there no, a third? no, no. Bo has oh, me there. Absolutely. So and we this have is Bo's a race. Day. We have Bo three, Zach two, <laughs> Shield zero, Marissa. I know you don't do much writing, so you're probably tied tied with me. I would assume. Yeah. We're in the same boat. Okay. We can do Versus, this together. We're, we're, in the, we're maybe a little double byline coming up for us. We'll just, you know, try to try to sneak in there. I need an enterprising uh, listener to go back uh, maybe like the last five years of Peter King columns. And I want to know, I don't know that there's another writer, another beat writer in America who has gotten this award three times and so i would be interested to uh, hear about that okay but i i did five minutes i didn't you know i figured we had to do our bit, yeah. Uh, yeah we had to do that okay i, I guess there's is there eagles talk uh, yeah i know well well there were a lot of you know questions on twitter will Bo be you know as uh, as humble uh, Zach, will he have the wrestling music playing right away and not even wait for someone else to uh, bring it up? So, you know, there was a lot of curiosity about how you would handle this. Yeah, this no, honor. I'm only uh, I'm only uh, like faux bravado for things like the roster challenge, not uh, not stuff like this. So, OK, well, this go. was well deserved. That was a, that was a very good my last story. Mm, I know numbers through the roof from what I hear. Well, I don't know about that. All right. Well, you have a high bar. <laughs> that is sure. true. Don't we all? <laughs> No, I do no, not. No, no, I, I do <laughs> not. Actually. Yes, yes, I, I, I do not. All right, I'm like Raphael Belliard. Yes, well, very low bar. MVP I mean, like... Raphael Belliard, beat writer of the year. Let's, I mean, let's be fair here. I like to think everything I do. You want that bar as low as possible. <laughs> yeah, that's probably right. All right, okay. well, we do have uh, plenty of stuff to get to. We will get Shields Squall 22 on uh, the game Thursday night. We will. Talk a little bit about what we think the Eagles should or will do during the trade deadline. But we got to start with the bird on the street. So it's time to send it over to the beat writer of the year, Zach Berman. Give us the update. So the Eagles have activated a handful of players uh, from I, or they've started the, the, the 21 day window for a number of these players, including uh, Dallas Goddard, Jalen Rager, Jason Peters, Rudy Ford. Uh, who else am I, I am I missing there? 
uh, and, and TJ Edwards. Edwards. Yes, exactly. So uh, these players are close to returning. I think the the key one to watch is obviously Jason Peters in there, and and I, w- I would mention Jalen Rager too. I don't know if, if if Dallas Goddard is for this week, but but obviously f- after the bye, but he seems was at like practice today a, a doing possibility. Some individual stuff. So yes, possible. correct. Now now for full disclosure, uh, I was not at practice today. We we had this podcast scheduled. Practice was moved back. I wanted to make sure I was on time for the podcast. So we're going based on the reports of our colleagues who were there. And I was still and, like seven minutes late just sitting in front of my computer because I forgot <laughs> the time. And uh, and a big question at Doug Peterson's press conference on Wednesday morning was if Jason Peters will go back to left tackle or if he would play right guard. And Doug Peterson did not answer directly. He, he said they're considering him for both. I asked Doug if it's up to Jason Peters or if it's up Good to question. the coaching staff. And Doug said Jason Peters, this team player that he is, is willing to play either one if asked. Uh, did he so, bristle? Did he bristle at that question, Zach? Or did he? No, uh, maybe... no. He, he said, right. you know, JP and, and, you know, the great thing about JP, uh, apparently that was not applicable during the preseason, mm. right? But uh, nonetheless, um, this is something to monitor here. And at practice today, based on reports, Jason Peters was at left tackle during the individual portion of practice. Uh, now, the the caveat there is that Jordan Maialata was at right tackle because Lane Johnson was not practicing. So uh, we will see what happens. Let's save, let's, let's save this. Let's go through the injury stuff first, and then we can get okay. into this discussion because I think it deserves a full uh, a full discussion. What, what, what else on the injury front? Sure. So let me pull up here. This is uh, from our our friend Dave Zingaro at NBC Sports Philadelphia, who was at practice, not practicing today. Lane Johnson, Jack Driscoll, Miles Sanders, Alshon Jeffrey, Craig James practicing today. Um, uh, they had Malik Jackson, Jason Peters, Dallas Goddard, Jalen Rager, uh, T.J. Edwards, Rudy Ford, and Kayvon Wallace. Now, in the Eagles have two open roster spots right now. Uh, because they put Deshaun Jackson on IR, they put Hassan Ridgeway on IR. Any of these guys who they activated the 21-day window for would 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 need to take a a, a roster spot. The thing to watch though is the Eagles are going to have to open a spot for a defensive tackle as well. We would presume. So whether that's T.Y. McGill, whether they claim Anthony Rush today, uh, there's going to be some roster maneuvering in the next few days. You don't think they can get through a game with uh, with Cox? Hargrave and Malik Jackson, and then, you know, Brandon Graham and Vinnie Curry playing inside? I personally think they can, but they've they've wanted, uh, you know, to have that D-tackle depth. I guess if, if, if Malik Jackson's fully healthy, if they're confident he's, he's going to play, then they can get by with that, but uh, it is something to monitor. Yeah, I wonder and I, what... I, I don't believe they can... I, I don't believe T.Y. McGill can take one of those spots on 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 game day to practice squad elevations correct? so i'm confused about this rule because i i don't know if there's a, there's the protection thing that a guy can only be elevated and protected twice during the season but i'm not so sure I, I think i wonder if he can still be elevated for the game but still be claimed by other teams before tuesday gotcha well, well they did protect him yesterday so okay now they also protected raekwon williams for the first time yeah, so they could just end up, you know, bumping up Raquan Williams as the backup defense, as the fourth defensive tackle for this game, and then they see where the roster shakes out after the bye. Javon Hargrave has produced a sack or a hit 
on 2.6% of his pass rush opportunities. That ranks 105th out of 139 qualifying players. All defensive line or just D-tackles? All defensive linemen. Okay. Yeah, that's not good. $13 million a year. Probably probably significantly below Hassan Ridgeway, right? Uh, and by the way, he's he has not, like, his performance against the run based on film has been equally as bad, in my opinion. Uh, Malik Jackson, on the other hand, is 12th on this entire list. Uh, Derek Barnett, Brandon Graham, 21st and 22nd. Uh, Josh Sweat is at 48th. And uh, I don't know if I have Ridgeway on here because he hasn't had 100 pass rush opportunities. Malik Jackson, fourth in the league in pass rush win rate. Win rate. I can't say yeah. win rate. Win weight. Yeah, he's played very well. We'll get to him in the trade discussion. Fletcher I Cox is ninth on that list. Uh, okay. Well, let's talk about the offensive line thing because uh, I think this is one of the craziest things I can imagine. If if the Eagles, you know, and the caveat, the big if, if the Eagles are going to install Jason Peters back at left tackle over Jordan Mailata, um, I think Eagles fans should stop watching this this season. They should wait. Hold on. You said you said the craziest thing you could imagine. Where does it rank on the scale of? Uh, Casey Tuhill uh, <laughs> being uh, cut and Nate Sudfeld being inactive. Does it ri- does it rise to that level for you? Yes, or no? I believe it is even worse. <laughs> okay. I believe it is like it is it is uh, Tuhill to infinity. Oh my gosh! Wow. Okay, uh, I want to hear your take then. It's crazy, and it's the kind of thing where like you know bad organizations have um, owners meddling in personnel decisions, but this is the kind of thing where. Jeffrey Lurie needs to put his thumb on the scale and say Jordan Mailata needs to be playing left tackle. How like, do you know he's not saying the opposite? Well, it's he's best friends with that's Jason. That's true. Peters. He needs to sever ties with his best friends at this point. Now, even if Lane Johnson and Jack Driscoll are not going to play, I don't really understand why it would be Mailata at right tackle when Mailata has n- has not ever looked good at right tackle. It is much less comfortable there, and you could instead play Mailata at left guard, Peters at right. Er, my lot at left tackle, Peters at right guard, and Matt Pryor at right mm-hmm. tackle. Uh, maybe you don't want you know Matt Pryor going up against Demarcus Lawrence, and you, you trust my lot of there. But um, this the 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 sort of reading between the lines of the things that Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz both said today gives you the impression that uh, Peters is going to be back at left tackle, which I think is like fire everybody unfathomable. It's insane that like the, well. the team is not good. And it doesn't matter that they're in first place. You, this season needs to be about finding out who the core players are moving forward. And finding out if Jordan Mailata is your left tackle of the future is so much more important than like whatever negligible difference there may be between Peters and Mailata. And guess what? Peters has been worse this year than Mailata. It's not like Peters has been good. So uh, it's like I, I feel like they're not paying any attention at all if this is the direction they go. Well, I I agree with you that Maialata should be the left tackle and Peter should be should be the right guard. I disagree with you that like the results of 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 what happens here doesn't matter, or the fact that they're in first place doesn't matter. It absolutely matters. I mean, they they are playing for a playoff spot here. Now that being said, uh, if if you don't believe the the difference between Maialata and Peters is significant, 
then you definitely go with the younger guy for developmental purposes. Also for just continuity on the offensive line, because we've seen Peters go in and out of the of of the lineup. Yeah, exactly. uh, my lot of, and I, I, I don't want to jump on Shield Squall 22. We'll, we'll get to that. But my lot is coming off his worst performing game. I just wonder how much of this is Jason Peters' ego at, at, at stake. If, if they're going to move Jason Peters to right guard for Jordan Mailata, uh, how will Jason Peters take that? So I'm, I'm curious what Peters' role in this is. That that's the only explanation, in my opinion. I mean, uh, I'm hesitant to like go all in on this because we we don't know if this is what they're going to do, right? The, you're, right. You're you're sort of reading between the lines. If it, you know, if it is, then uh, I think the outrage is warranted. I mean, this year at this point should be about. Uh, you really need to find out what you have in some of the younger players on the roster, specifically a spot as key as Jordan Mailata. Now, I understand what Zach's saying. If Mailata had has been a complete train wreck and if Peters was playing like a pro bowler, then I would say, okay, I can sort of understand, you know, because you do have other, you know, players pay attention. And so when you do something like that and go all in on a young guy who can't play over a vet who can play, then that's not always uh, the best thing in terms of like culture and all that, all that stuff. But like, uh, I'm with Bo. I mean, uh, I think my lot has been better in his four starts than Peters was earlier in the season. I, you know, I don't, wouldn't say it's like this huge gap or anything, but if it's close, you go with the young guy. And so, uh, it, it should be a very easy decision. Like this is one of the few bright spots you have on the 2020 roster. I mean, it's like Travis Fulcom and Jordan Mailata. Uh, you know, these are the bright spots. These are the guys let's get them more, you know, get them more reps, uh, find roles for them. You want to have as much, especially for Mailata, a guy, his age with his lack of experience, you want to be able to find out as much about him as you can and put him in all kinds of different situations situations for the rest of the season. Again, I, I don't think it's at the risk of like uh, torpedoing your season or getting your quarterback injured or anything like that. I mean, he has not been that, he hasn't like played that poorly. I, you know, last game was his worst game and you don't watch that game and think, wow, they lost because of Jordan Mailata. You know, there were other offensive linemen who played just as uh, poorly as he has. So yes, my take would be you keep Mailata at left tackle. That's like, you know, non-negotiable unless he just turns into um, a complete disaster at some point. And then you figure out what you want to do with Peters after that. And this player in particular is someone who you want to be giving as many reps to as possible in a game. Um, as you try to find out what his future is. And as for the, the locker room stuff, I agree that, that, that that's a consideration. But you know what You know what else guys in the locker room uh, pay attention to? Like, if, if a guy is getting a job based on reputation and legacy, sure. not on him earning it. And yeah, exactly. And if Jason Peters is willing to move to right guard to make room for Jordan Mailata at left tackle, I think that goes, like, much further in, uh, you know, team building than than him insisting that he goes back to his left tackle spot when he's not bringing that much juice to the position. You are correct. But but I I will say that you said that developing young players is the most important thing this year. Keeping Carson Wentz healthy is 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 important. So if you feel that Jason Peters is better than Jordan Mailata, then that's something you need to consider. Now that being said, we've all watched the games and my lot of is perhaps better or the difference is 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 at least negligible enough that you go with my lot of. but if the determination from Jeff Stoutland is that they're a better offensive line with Jason Peters at left tackle then I guess you trust your offensive line coach it, it really all depends who's making this call 
Well, whoever is at the top, whoever's whoever's like signing off on the call needs to needs to be looking at this with clear eyes. Like this cannot be the decision. And you can't you can't tell me that, you know, in the interest of getting your five best guys on the field, if Lane Johnson is back or even Jack Driscoll at right tackle, you can't tell me they're better off with Peters at left tackle and Pryor at right guard than they would be with Mylotta at left tackle and Peters at right guard. You can't put Mylotta on the bench. I mean, that's crazy. Isn't that it's insane? That's not an. I wouldn't think that. Uh, I don't know. I, I would have be surprised. That, I have to believe that they realize how insane that would be, right? Yeah. I mean, that's why you have those conversations. Like, he, if Stoutland wanted Peters, which, you know, I, I that might even surprise me at this point. I mean, Stoutland's put in a lot of work to get my lot yeah, of— he loves uh, Peters. He does. I mean, he would, uh, except for, I mean, we can name some guys he probably doesn't love, but those guys are generally on the bench or not playing. So, I mean, I, he loves Peters. He, he's put in work to get uh, my lot ready. But remember, going into the season, it's, you know, they were going to play Peters at right guard. So this isn't like coming out of nowhere where all of a sudden you're benching like your uh, Hall of Fame left tackle. You know, this was something yeah, they but- were going to move in a different direction for a younger player. If Dillard had played, if Dillard started the season and played how Mylotta has played so far, then you would keep Dillard at left tackle. It wouldn't even be a discussion. Right. But the same thing, they had this decision in the spring or in the summer when Dillard went down and they chose Peters over. Now Peters chose I can I can sort of understand that. I mean, so even as I. much as you like Mylotta internally or people in the building like the internally, as um, you know, Peter King knows from uh, reading Bo's story, you still never know until a guy's out there and is playing in game. So, I mean, that that one wasn't, um, you know, I didn't think that was a crazy move at the time. Well, no, I agree, but that's the deci- like that's their, their anchored decision. So, like, if they're just going back to that because they you have more information was, now. I, I agree, but they may not see it that way. I think it's, I mean, I think it's, I really think it's like if, if they make this decision and start the game on Sunday night with Jordan Mailata on the bench, I think Eagles fans should turn the game off. I think that's yeah. the message they should send. That would sh- that would really surprise me. Would that surprise you, Zach? What if we're they started really. with him on the bench or if the Eagles? If fans my lotta was if my lotta was not among the five starting offensive linemen on the yeah. field for the Eagles Sunday night, it would not surprise me. It would not surprise you. Wow. No. Interesting. I mean, okay. I I disagree with it, but it would yeah. not surprise me if I mean if if Jason Peters is your starting left tackle, then. Where's your, I don't know if Jordan Mylott is going to be your right tackle. I think Lane Johnson or Jack Driscoll will be out there. But, but who knows? We'll see. I mean, if you can give me a Lane Johnson at right tackle, a Mylotta at left, a Peters at right yeah. guard, I'm, I'm kind of interested in seeing that type I, of offensive line. I agree line. with you. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Bo, uh, Peter King calls tomorrow and says he'll double your salary, whatever The Athletic's paying you, but you can't do birds with friends anymore. What do you do? You got a baby on the way, Mm. you know? I don't know. Oh, all right. Well, we, you can think on it. By the end of this episode, we need an answer. <laughs> what, like, what kind of, what kind of, what kind of uh, terms am I getting on this? Deal? You get to, you get to craft your uh, position for um, NBC Sports in any way you want to do it. It, it could be TV podcasting, radio, writing, local, national, the, the, you know, he just believes in the tech, like Zach always says, you know, I'm buying stock of somebody. Uh, he's saying I'm buying stock of Bo Wolf. You know, we will let you let your uh, creative juices flowing. Length of the deal. I can, you know, I can, uh, three year deal. Ooh, three year deal. Mm, I don't know. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. You can, you can only be fired for a just just cause, you know, if you um, <laughs> I, we don't need to go into those terms. <laughs> Pull a tube in. Uh, is there uh, am I allowed to know am I there's allowed, an exemption? For- <laughs> am I allowed to still call the two of you up and just uh, record a podcast that doesn't get released? I mean, I would not agree to do that. No. <laughs> All right. I'll think about it. Okay. All right. Look, so now you have a reason to continue to tune in, everybody. There you go. All right. What else we got? I know we have. Uh, you guys have a heart out here, so. Okay. Uh, well, What's I, next? why don't we talk about uh, trade deadline stuff, Zach? Uh, I know you're doing a thing on. Uh, you've you've had some listener submitted deals. Uh, how do you feel about this this Eagles team? We wrote about it on Monday. Uh, do you think they will be buyers, sellers, or something in between? Yeah, I think they would like to sell. I, th- I think they would, they would like to do both. You know, well, I, I so think. Th- I, but this is I'm I'm taking it back to my lot. How could you How could you approach this as you would like to sell? Like you're in that state of mind, realizing that this team needs like revitalization, and still be willing to put Jason Peters at left tackle over Jordan Mailata. It doesn't well, so make I, any sense. I I I think they would like to 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 kind of satisfy both ends of the stick there. In in that, I think they would like to sell some of these. High price contracts who who might not be on the team next I year. I need name. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I need names for this discussion. Yeah, the so, buy sell thing. I'm always like, well, who are we sure. talking yeah, about? Yeah, well, here? so that's the thing is, I, I I think ideally they would have loved to trade Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, I don't know if that's oh going to happen. God, Howie, let um, it go, my man. Just, nobody, yeah. you've been trying for like two years. Nobody wants this guy. <laughs> my God, I I really think that was a a big part of keeping Alshon on the 53 man roster was oh preserving the possibility gosh. of trading. It's so silly. He's not going to uh, play again this week. It's going to be a full eight weeks. It's yeah. really now, he's he's going for the feely. Uh, before the Zach Ertz injury, I think Zach Ertz is is, is someone they would have traded. I think that's I, the one. Yeah. So so that's the thing is is now some of these guys they 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 can't sell. Bo and I mentioned Malik Jackson in terms of a guy who wouldn't make sense. 
but I, I don't think they're going to trade Malik Jackson. I, I think they view him as a vital part of their defensive line this year. Uh, in, in, in terms of buying, I, I do think they'll be interested in adding a linebacker, perhaps a cornerback. I've seen offensive line mentioned out there. I think they have in, internal reinforcements there uh, that they can turn to. But I, I certainly think a linebacker and, and perhaps cornerback are spots they would look. Now, Malik Jackson, what, what I know you guys wrote about this. I can't remember what you wrote. What do you think would be <laughs> potential, <laughs> <laughs> potential co- cup? No, I don't remember the term, the compensation I'm asking. What did you put for the proposed compensation for Malik Jackson? Yeah, Bo mentioned the, the Damon Harrison trade. Which was what, a fifth? Which was a fifth, I think, right? Yep. Would you do that? Would you trade Malik Jackson for a fifth? I think I would. I think I might. Probably, I think I would probably hold on to him. I think so, I probably would too. And yeah, and for the purpose of, I don't know if if it's comparison's sake, but Everson Griffin, and and this is Shields territory here, went for what a sixth, and uh, that that could go up to a fifth, I, I believe. And then Carlos Dunlap was traded today for what an offensive lineman and a seventh. Backup lineman and a seventh. Uh, offensive yeah. lineman, my guy BJ Finney. Finney. Why is he your guy? BJ Finney at the shrine at the shrine game. Really? Oh, yeah. oh okay. So yeah, Everson Griffin was a that's a good comp. Yeah, he was a conditional sixth. Uh, Malik Jackson has played better this year, but I would say they're comparable mm-hmm. players. Yep. And and then Carlos. Dunlap yeah, I mean, and same, that goes that guy. goes back to the uh, you know the Javon Hargrave has been Trashita Jones discussion. Like if if Hargrave had been great, then you can trade Malik Jackson, but you know you probably can't afford to. I don't get I don't get the sort of um, I'm not used to a lack of outrage from the Eagles fan base, and I'm confused about the lack of outrage over a 13 million day. Is it is it still too early? A 13 million dollar player? I think it's a tough... having zero impact on on the first seven. I mean, it was what a three year deal. Yes. So yeah. so this is the first sixth of his uh, of his mm. career. I mean, it's not nothing. He's been a yeah. complete. He hasn't done anything. I think it is a combination of you know a, a tougher position for the layman to judge at defensive tackle. His his position group has been very good. So it's not like you're like why yeah. why isn't the defensive line playing well? Where is this big money guy? They're still the the line as a whole is still making an impact. So that takes away some of the uh, the focus on him. And then I think maybe. It's a little bit just they're giving him a little bit of a pass because of the injury. But you're right. I mean, he's okay. he's not played well. I mean, yeah. I, my my issue is more with the um, my criticism is aimed more at the front office and the decision than him. I mean, I don't know. He's like, all right, you're gonna pay me thirteen million dollars to switch <laughs> schemes, and yeah, I wasn't expecting this. It's like the second day of free agency. <laughs> let's let's go. All right. Anyway, yeah, the money that could have been used on James Bradbury. But I, wide receiver. But I, I, I do think that if, if they can get a linebacker on a cost-controlled contract uh, that could help them this year and, and beyond, that uh, even, if, even if the guy has, a, has, has some money on, on the deal, if it's more than a rental, if it's someone they see as part of their plans in 2021, then I can see them adding that player. I think what they – like, you know, I will be – uh, not disappointed, but I will I will probably judge it harshly if they're giving up uh, picks for somebody for this team to help this team that has no real you know 2020 future beyond uh, winning a bad division. 
But like, if they're giving up a conditional sixth or seventh, that's like that's fine, I guess. Uh, you know, I'm still not going to like it, but either you're doing your job. If they're giving up, you know, some kind of third through fifth round pick uh, for a you know a rental, like you know, it's like another Golden Tate deal. Then again, burn, that can't happen. Down. There's but, zero chance that can. I no, mean, but if it's like the Jay Ajayi deal, then I think that's defensible. What if, was the Jay Ajayi uh, deal? Was no, fourth, no, it was yeah, a fourth yeah, not a running back. But I'm saying, but deal. yeah, if 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 they give up a fourth round pick for or a Gennard good Avery. line, like I wouldn't for, even be giving up a fifth for a Gennard, a Gennard Avery type. But but Gennard Avery didn't have a starting role. I mean, if it's a guy who becomes your top linebacker, and he's he's your top linebacker going into 2021, I think that's fine if you give up a middle round pick. Maybe I mean linebacker is also probably. Like linebacker and safety are going to be the hardest positions to bring a guy in in the middle of the season and ingratiate him. And we've also seen that uh, Schwartz has been slow to do that in the past. So, like, giving up something significant for a linebacker strikes me as um, not a great proposition either. They're just so bad there. That's the They're so bad there. I think, I think what um, – I think the likeliest thing to happen is some kind of my trash for your trash – type deal like the uh, I agree like, with that. like the Cyprian uh Duke Riley trade last year maybe it's maybe it's JJ Ortega Whiteside for you know a depth corner or a depth linebacker or something like that, that that was the name that made the most sense when I saw your guys uh faux deals because I mean all of a sudden you got Fulgham out of nowhere right mm-hmm. you've got Rager and so it actually is like okay, maybe they're not uh, totally screwed here at wide receiver going into 2021. Like if you add a you know one more guy, like a, a speedy slot receiver or something, or a guy who has the versatility to play inside and outside, uh, that's not a bad group. Rager, Fulcom, and another guy. And I mean, Ortega Whiteside has had every opportunity to earn playing time, and it hasn't happened. So uh, I think that's right. If there's a like a, a player on another team who's in a similar situation just hasn't worked out for him, and you trade Ortega Whiteside for that guy. That's the type of move I think would make sense. The li- the linebacker one is tough for me. I mean, yeah, absolutely. You need to get a guy who can who is going to contribute in 2021 at least. Uh, you know, maybe longer than that. But at the same time, I don't know that I would be wanting to get somebody who has like any type of significant money on their contract. I mean, they are in bad shape with their uh, with their cap with their roster. With with their lack of flexibility. And now all of a sudden, after, you know, you miss on a guy in the third round, you're going to pour money. Like I, th- I saw somebody mention, I, I don't know who the rumor was, like Zach Cunningham on the Texans. He's just got a huge guys, deal. He just got a huge deal. And he like, he's a, you know, it was a crazy deal by Bill O'Brien and he's a liability in coverage. Like something like that would make zero sense, uh, zero sense to me. Now, in, in terms of the trade deadline, something we should clarify because we are doing this thing where, uh, where subscribers are submitting their trade proposals, they've done it in in some other markets. We're gonna we're doing it in Philly. A lot of them include Zach Ertz. And in past years, if a player was on IR, they were eligible to be traded. Uh, this year, and this is according to, to Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated, that a player on IR must be specified to have a minor injury or a major injury. And if they have a minor injury, they cannot be traded. Zach Ertz was specified to have a minor injury. And therefore, he cannot be traded. There was some curiosity around the league, apparently, when the Eagles did not put Ertz on IR for a, a few days that, that that perhaps they were trying to trade him. But apparently, that ship has sailed now that he's on IR. Wait, you, why, why can't you trade a guy who has a minor injury? 
I but think you can trade a guy who has a major injury. Right, like you, like the Eagles could trade Dillard if they wanted to. Yes. If oh, a guy's okay. out for the season, then you yeah, can because trade I him. think it, then it's like it's a known it's known transparent. That yeah. Okay. All right. It sort of makes sense. Um, yeah, I guess so. But I mean, you should also it, it also makes sense that you know what you're buying anyway. Like they could they could do a Zacherts physical and see what they think. But um, I actually, you know, Dillard's interesting. I don't think it would make sense to do it now. Um, but I do think that I do think that the Mylotta emergence sort of gives the Eagles an out that they can sell that as making Dillard a little bit more uh, mm-hmm. attractive on the trade market. Well, I think we had this discussion before, right. and I argued that I would just rather keep him as a insurance swing tackle potentially because I don't you're you're selling at the absolute lowest right. Point. Well, I, but that's and what so I mean it's... is I I think that that Mylotta. Like if Mylotta becomes a left tackle of the future, then it's not quite that they're just selling mm-hmm. as a sunk cost. Like now you sound like Howie trying to trade Alshon yeah. Jeffrey. Well, you might be right. No, but also if it's if it's a player for for player deal, you know someone else's first round pick or second round pick that hasn't worked out, it's kind of easier to, to rationalize. Mm-hmm. It's true. Do you think the Eagles are interested in bringing in a running back, Zach? It's a good question. I think they they should be. But I don't think they'll they'll give anything of value for the running back. Like I don't think they'll give a I'll fifth round should, pick yeah. for for carry on Johnson. But I, I I think if it's if it's a, a conditional seventh or something like that, then maybe they they just add a guy for the rest of the season. And then the last uh, the guy who we didn't talk about in the uh, the back and forth on Monday. You think the Eagles would trade Nate Sudfeld? I don't the guy wants a chance Nate to start. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't imagine who's acquiring Nate Sudfeld. I mean, you could talk yourself into the Cowboys, but... I can't tell if this is a serious question or not. I thought you were joking. <laughs> it's a serious question? Well, I mean, half I mean, serious. How many, how many times do we have to see what the league... Th- <laughs> uh, again, I used to, he's a great guy. I've, I've uh, enjoyed my conversations with him, and I hope he has a, a great career. But uh, at some point, the league, you know... Tells you a little bit about what they think of you, and you have to prove them otherwise. I think Josh McCown has a better chance of being signed off your practice squad than someone is going to trade for Nate Sudfeld. I, I think that's probably, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, that's probably a good point. Great investment, by the way. Yeah, that's working out well. Your starter's playing the worst football of his career with this setup. Yeah, but what, you think about how much worse he'd be if he didn't have the uh, long-distance mentorship of Josh <laughs> that's McCown. True. That's true. There's an unknown floor there, I guess. <laughs> All right, let's get into the Squall 22. Sheil, you have uh, poured over the tape from that uh, well-played primetime game between the Eagles and Giants. What can you tell us? Oh, this is so exciting. Sam Cassell from Derek Bodner will join Doc Rivers' coaching staff with the Sixers. Really? Oh, I love Sam Cassell. Oh, my, he was my brother's favorite player growing up. Oh, yeah. The the dance. Or, did that have a name? I think just oh. the big balls dance. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's gone. That's what well, it was called uh, in the Wolf household. Or the um, Serrano, Pedro the Pedro Serrano mm, dance. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's a good one. That's probably a better uh, name, yes. Squ- Squall 22? I mean, this game was like three weeks ago. Do people really want to hear this? I mean, Who cares? You've done, you've done the work. We might as well we've get some the... podcast All right. content. Uh, well, uh, I was trying to think, do you think this is the like the worst offensive line situation Wentz has had to uh, deal with in his career? Like the yes. last, uh, you do? Okay. Without yeah. a doubt, yeah. 
Yeah, because I was thinking that because we haven't, you know, most quarterbacks, you have like a stretch where you say, all right, you know, they were under a lot of pressure and how did they deal with that? And not that Wentz hasn't had like games like that here and there, but there haven't been a lot of stretches. And so, uh, you know, I just thought he was very uncomfortable in that game. I, I kind of felt even stronger about the, you know, the post game take that he wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't very good in that game. Uh, obviously, the offensive line was bad and I think the pressure did uh, affect him I think he had opportunities to turn it loose and he didn't I think uh, he was uncomfortable in the pocket these these passes that keep getting deflected like he can't maneuver and find a good throwing lane uh, that continues to be an issue there were accuracy issues certainly um, with a couple misses there uh, I just felt like he was uncomfortable and didn't have a great feel and again obviously a big part of that is because the offensive line was playing really poorly so uh, he made some nice throws down the stretch for sure you know the um obviously the one uh zach wrote about there with uh to boston scott he had a nice uh, 59 yarder to uh john hightower and then the third one i thought that was nice was when he got out of the pocket and found richard rogers uh there after improvising but um i don't know i mean i I don't feel better about him after that game than i did after like the steelers and ravens game It, it really felt more like the first part of the season to me and you just look at some of the stats and like they're so ugly and now we have a seven game stretch here where like they're worse than his rookie year across the board he leads the league in interceptions he leads the league in uh sacks and i I know bo you had a tweet about that which i want to get to and he's got the third most fumbles and so you throw those in there with the uh with the accuracy issues and um you know dealing with a bad offensive line and it's just like hard to find a way out for this uh for this offense unless they just get really healthy here in the next few weeks so i do have to cut you off from this line of conversation because we have a, a breaking news update oh. from uh the greatest More sam cassell the greatest producer in the land okay. marissa morris who lets us know that shield has been included in peter king's tweets of the week at least twice oh oh twice oh thank you marissa looking out for me I thought there was one Uh, twice. Okay, well, I found two on a quick Google search. Yeah, so think about how many. There might be more more out there. Yeah. All right. So if he doubles my salary to be his social media manager, (laughs) and I have to give up birds with friends, uh, I can say that yes, I would. I mean, you might do it for half. For half of my salary? Yeah, to get you a birds with friends. (laughs) 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 Oh, good point. (laughs) Good point. I wasn't thinking about that. All right. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. But so we, oh, go ahead. But we, but we don't know. It, it, it's we don't. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're gonna need some more research to find out if anyone beats Bo for the. Uh, now Peter King follows you on Twitter, so like when you're tweeting this not you know this all this nonsense that's coming across his timeline. I hope not. Like, does he know what a Philly is? <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> I hope he goes. I hope he goes uh, dark pretty much. All the time on Twitter. <laughs> now you Very guys are both followed by the new Sixers general manager. Yeah, that's right? true. He's both of you. Not he, on... he. He's not the general manager. He's okay. The well, the new player. Sixers President are. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna have to for, form a relationship there and get him on birds with friends. Let's get him on. Well, yeah. So I think that's let's you know let 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 you guys take a whiff there. Very okay. impressed by Daryl Morey. Big hire for the Sixers. Mm. <laughs> Okay. 
that was good. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, all right, so let's talk about the pressure stuff because, I mean, I do think that, you know, some of Carson's, uh, Wentz's, you know, worst tendencies were on display in the beginning, you know, the first three quarters of this game. But uh, I think I think the tweet you alluded to, Shield, is that, you know, the Eagles are uh, 28th, I think, in pressure rate allowed, but they are 10th in offensive line pass rush win rate. Again, win rate rearing its ugly head. Explain what that explain what that is. So to the that listeners? is that is the ESPN um, you know analytics team. They have they have their own group of tape munchers who are just who are uh, it's basically a binary. What is it? Two point five seconds. Yes, I actually I actually think this is based on tracking data. So I actually okay. don't think this is based on oh, okay. subjective uh, tape munching, as you put it. Well, and it is yeah. So it's basically you know. Did the offensive lineman or defensive lineman win in in 2.5 seconds? Uh, and pressure rate is more just you know was the quarterback under pressure when he throws the ball? Um, and so you can think you know my first assumption was that the disparity is because is that Carson Wentz holds onto the ball too long, but he's not like the bottom of the league. He's 23rd in the league in average time to throw. So I think that's part of it. You know, the well, well hold ahead. on. Okay, so that is that is true when you look at the average. Now, I did a thing uh, just when I saw your tweet before we came on. What I like to do Ooh, coming is, over the top, I like it. Is look at uh, percentage of uh, quick throws. So, okay, the, you know, rather than just the average, because you know That's a guy good. might r- run around for eight, you know, eight nine seconds on a few whatever. There there could be um, different things. And so, how often is he getting rid of the ball in two point five seconds or under? And in that, Carson Wentz ranks 26th in the NFL. So he is well below uh, the league average. So, I mean, you could look at it as like he is one of the, you know, on one hand, you could say, well, he's one of the harder quarterbacks to uh, protect because he's not getting rid of the ball. But, you know, we could always also say with some of these more mobile quarterbacks that uh, they're escaping some of these sacks and they're holding on to the ball and they're making things happen. So uh, it's tough to get a real fair measure of like where this offensive line ranks league wide. I mean, just from the eye test, I would say they're like in the middle of the pack. I don't think they've been uh, the worst. I don't think they've been, you know, among the best. And so that's just to kind of put it into context compared to what other quarterbacks might be dealing with around the league. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the 10th in the league in pass rush win rate does seem a little bit, a little bit too high just based on what we've seen, but you know, I'm not watching every offensive line around the league. Yeah, that's why those numbers can be helpful. I mean, you can certainly make the argument, well, then they, they should be uh, baking in more quick throws into the offense, and that could well, be a yeah. coaching issue, you know? I think that's well, that's what, that was the next thing I was going to say. Yeah, it's it's not just on Carson. It's let, maybe, we, maybe he needs to get the ball out more as part of the function of the offense. I would agree with yeah. that. Zach, any thoughts? Sorry, I, I have been communicating with our editor. I have a story coming out any minute, and Ooh, we're, we're just nice trading – yeah, I, I will Is it share about the Daryl story. Moore? Continue. No, it's yeah. it's not. I spoke to Brian Westbrook. It's about I'm sure everyone saw the ending of the Penn State game. Sorry, Shield. 
and the uh, fa- I don't care. <laughs> and, <laughs> Shields been in a deep depression ever since. And, and the uh, Falcons game when in both games Penn State would have won, the Falcons would have won if their running back did not score a touchdown. And Eagles fans all remember, I imagine, 2007 when they upset the Cowboys in Week 15 uh, when Brian Westbrook stopped short of the of of the end zone at the one yard line and. Uh, that that play is 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 still well known, and so it being Eagles Cowboys week, and given what just happened, I spoke to Brian Westbrook about that play and some and some memories of it, and it is it's the play that that still gets brought up to him the most of any play in his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, that and is a big, the kind of that's the kind of hustle you get from the best beat writer in America. Oh, that's a, interesting. A, uh, a a big reason for it is this was week fifteen of the NFL season. Uh, if if you recall, that was Brian Westbrook's best season, led the league in in yards from scrimmage. He was a fantasy football. Uh, he was like the best player in fantasy football that year, and a lot of people either lost championships or won championships, or lost playoff games or won playoff games because of that that play at the goal line. So he, he it still gets brought up to him from fantasy perspective as much as anything else. Don't be bringing up your fantasy losses to a former professional football player ten years later. Don't be yeah. that person. Yeah, he said no one's ever offered him a a cut of the money, but uh, <laughs> it, it still gets brought up to him. You imagine going about your life, people coming up to you, telling you about their fantasy football games from eight years ago. <laughs> Get out of my face. I mean, it's 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 probably like he's he's getting a message from a, a reporter. I want to talk to you uh, about this play from what twelve years ago because uh, because Todd Gurley didn't fall or because Todd Gurley scored a touchdown or that's much State different. That that's like he made a good heads up play. Yeah. He's getting remembered for that. Yeah, he he's he's and, and rightfully so very proud of the play because of of what it stands for. But uh, he said a lot of the guys on the team didn't know what he was doing. You know, I mean, it's known as a heads up play, and we all remember John Runyon. Yeah, running that's behind what I was and say. Runyon got credit. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, and uh, and now Westbrook knew too. I, I, I mean, Westbrook pointed out that he had turned around. Okay, like he saw Runyon telling him to get down. Mm. Like he had turned around because he he was reminded of it before the play. But he said it's it's like the instinct of 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 running backs to try to score. Anyways, that story will will be online any minute now. Uh, we were just figuring out what the headline's going to be. Well, so. and, you know, you talk about the instinct because that's what it looked like on the Gurley play. Like, it looked like Gurley knew he wasn't supposed to score, but once someone tried to tackle him, he decided he needed to try to break that tackle. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that. Westbrook gave gave credit to the Lions' defense for, like, pretending. Pretending. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that they were trying to tackle him because, like, the 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 Penn State play, was it was obvious. Indiana was just letting him score, and, and the running back, should have seen it. Like it, it was almost as if he 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 didn't realize what was going on. Gurley and, and and there's a clip of Matt Ryan saying, "Don't score a touchdown! Don't score a touchdown!" And then when the Lions, when it looked like they were trying to tackle him, uh, it looked like Gurley was just trying to push through the tackle. You know. So. Well, this is what I'm so confused about because obviously the Lions were letting him score, but I had this in my uh, column today. The safety Will Harris. I mean, you think he was just like selling it? I mean, he is on Gurley's back. Yeah. Like Gurley could have easily fallen down before the goal line from that tackle, and then all of a sudden, I'm sure someone yelled at him or it clicked, and he lets go, and then Gurley's momentum kind of takes him into the end zone. But if he was doing that on purpose, 
that is like an unbelievable job by him. I, I thought he kind of he just screwed it up and then realized the error in his ways. I mean, it could go the other way where he tackles right. him by accident and then everyone's yelling at that guy. Why did you why did you tackle him? We just told you to let the guy score. So anyway, no one's interested. He probably tells you that, you know, <laughs> that Matt Patricia doesn't really uh, communicate very well. Just a thought. Well. Yeah. You know, I, speaking of Matt Patricia and the defense, I, I was thinking, no, I was thinking this about the Eagles. As we look ahead here to the final, how many games do they have left? Nine? Nine. Yeah. Nine games. Maybe so their, def- their defense right now, th- this goes back to the offseason discussion we had. Would you say that there is there room for their defensive line to play much better than it's played so far? As far as sack production, I think. Okay. Maybe just a little bit, but not much. A little bit, like, I, you know, yeah. Fletcher, I, I, like individuals can be better, but I I wouldn't expect the line as a whole to be much better. Yeah, I think they've definitely met expectations. Uh, the defensive line, Darius Slay, is there much room for him to play much better? No, no. Okay, so you have those two things, and your defense is 16th in overall yes. de- defensive DVOA and 22nd against the pass. Yes. I mean, it's just so hard to build a good uh, defense, even when like these moves you make uh, turn out well, like good offenses can still expose you, you know? And uh, I don't know that that's just like interesting to me that these things have gone as well as could be expected. And you still are in the middle of the pack, just as you have been uh, the past two years. Yeah. I mean, yeah, third down and red zone have, have, have been two major issues with that linebacker yeah i was trying to think of the positions that have like certainly roby colvin it feels like he's gotten cooked linebacker we talked about um earlier but it it would be fun maybe i should do this during like the bye week to you know look at all the explosive plays maybe and see kind of who was at fault what position groups what specific players yeah there. like you said it's the conversation we had and we've been having like you're getting what you wanted out of Darius Slay, and the defense is not any better. So maybe that wasn't the best way to go about team building. And that's not hindsight. We had that yes. conversation in whenever they made the move. And the other thing too is is uh, a lot's been made of this, and we discussed it. These these non running backs are just killing the Eagles. We talked about the wide receiver runs. Uh, obviously, Lamar Jackson had a hundred yard rushing game. Uh, Daniel Jones had. You know, eighty plus yards uh, rushing yeah, as 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 we all saw, and uh, and like uh, Jim Schwartz always says, yeah, no one's just uh, beating us up the middle. You know, they're they're doing well. Well, the yards count the same, right? Like it doesn't matter <laughs> who's doing it; it counts the same. So, uh, so that's 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 not a defense that that no you know, one's just lining up and beating us. Like that's you know what the I, other ridiculous thing he said the, um, yesterday was, and uh, uh, like defense of the defense was that, uh, you know, we really only gave up one long drive. You know, otherwise, they you know, they had the 80-yard run and the, you know, the <laughs> yes, one-play exactly. touchdown against Golden Tate. Well, maybe those would have been long drives if you didn't give up a touchdown on the first play. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Now, now the, the number that just really jumps out this year is, is red zone defense. Uh, 75%. Uh, that's 29th in the NFL. So oh, wow. they're allowing teams to score – 75 they're allowing teams to score touchdowns on 75 percent of red zone trips uh it's it's kind of a cliche when you call it a four-point play the third down defense in the red zone but it's absolutely true in the past their red zone defense has been really good and then also their third down defense has been really good they're 19th in the nfl this year at 42 percent. so uh you look at situational football they've been bad in those situations 
Well, in red zone defense, especially, is traditionally a thing that is that is not sticky year over year. And so, you know, the fact that the Eagles had been good at it for so long, you know, I don't know if that just means that there was this regression always coming, but um, for whatever reason, it, it is certainly coming back to bite them. Well, it, it it just seemed that they were so sick of giving up the big play, okay, those those X plays, uh, and that was such an offseason emphasis. But now they're they're getting beat in in uh, in different ways, like like people aren't beating them over the top like they used to, but but they're extending these drives longer. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, you're right. You're not seeing like the, you know, a safety biting yep. and a guy running wide open for a post. You're not seeing a lot of just the outside corners on go balls getting uh, beat. But I mean, to to say that we're stopping the runs up the middle is like a misunderstanding of modern offense. Right. I mean, really, this is the whole point: is that if they if that's what they're taking away, if the numbers are bad there, you have other opportunities. You have quarterback runs. You have uh, end arounds and and jet sweeps and reverse verses and all these things that um that have gotten to them so uh anything else from the squall 22 dr kapadia uh you know we talked about my he he had a tough game but um whatever there's gonna be good games and bad games i mean you know the four starts you've seen sort of the ups and downs so i'm not like it, it didn't rise to a level of this guy sucks and i'm changing my opinion of him uh in that game uh, your boy Sua Opeta, Bo. I don't know what you uh, Greg what you Cosell thought. on the Eagle Island Sky podcast said he thought he did a very good job. Oh, really? Okay, <laughs> must have only watched the run plays, I guess. I don't know. Well, but... you know, he is, like, he's <laughs> athletic. He does move. Like there was that one screen which was nice when he he got out and made the block for Boston Scott. But uh, you know, like he was getting overpowered a few yes, times for sure. That's a, that's exactly what I thought. I thought he had the screen, and then there was a like a zone run where he got to the linebacker like really quickly, and I was like, all right, this this guy could move a little bit. I thought he did have some nice moments in the run game, um, but yes, I would say pass pro is where these struggles were. I mean, that one play where he just got walked back mm-hmm. into um, went his face, I think, by Leonard Williams. Uh, Herbig, I thought, also had some issues there in pass pro. I mean, Herbig just battles, but like. There are times where you know it doesn't look pretty, and he certainly uh, will give up some pressure there. So th- those were kind of the offensive linemen that stood out for me. Uh, defense. Let's see. Schwartz had sort of a special game plan. I feel like for this, uh, I don't know if it's a special game plan, but I mean they blitzed quite a bit. You know, they they manufactured a sack for Nate Gary on that blitz. Uh, Alex Singleton. You know, they showed that He's one live. Well. That yeah. that blitz though. I I can't remember the last time an Eagles linebacker ran over a running back like that. You know, I think we all love that drill in training camp, right? The linebackers right. going up against the backs, and like sometimes it is fun when the linebackers get them, but like you rarely see that i mean he just totally trucked freeman where like freeman fell into jones's knee where it almost could have been a a bad injury there but so that i thought was uh was pretty impressive the defensive line Derek barnett with the spin move a couple times yeah Uh, one was a sack one was a quarterback hit so that was good to see i know you guys mentioned him sort of as a outside the box trade possibility uh i wouldn't do that no not at all he's playing well this year i I think uh yeah (laughs) <laughs> but uh yeah barnett you know sweat and uh graham i, I know bo you've been tweeting about it man what a year he's having unbelievable. unbelievable yeah so so the defensive line again was very good uh they did i mean they just got it's just funny how the whole narrative can change if evan ingram you know he smokes will parks on that fade from the slot it's a great throw he just drops it if he catches that it's like a totally different conversation but i, I guess you could really say that about uh any game 
Um, one thing we didn't talk about after the game, which I don't know if anyone still cares, but uh, in, in the theme of special teams sucking uh, with Jake Elliott, we talked about. But how about the play where no one uh, was on oh, the gunner yeah. and they could have yes. just thrown the ball out there and gotten in, you know a huge play? Well, what was going on there? And the, and the punter recognized it too. Yeah, but the other guy did. Yeah, the, the, the gunner right. did the, it, uh, right? Did yeah. That and, and Joe Judge is a special teams coach. Like you gotta you gotta point that out. And it was it was on the near side. Like someone can't scream to the gunner. <laughs> was Fip asked about it yesterday? No, he was not. That's a good point. Uh, but uh, he was asked quite a bit about Jake Elliott. I don't want you to beat yourself up too much for that, Zach. I, sh- okay. I, sh- I should have asked. You should still be able to get some sleep tonight. <laughs> I should have asked about that. That was my bad. <laughs> all right. That's all I got. Just on you. Uh, okay. Uh, well, what's, uh, what's left for the rest of the week, Mr. Berman? The injuries are important to monitor here. And Miles Sanders, we did not talk about him. I think that's an important one to monitor too to see if he's back or if Boston Scott's your number one running back. We really did not get into in, into the Cowboys at all in this podcast. We'll talk about them Friday. But obviously their quarterback situation is a big deal. The Eagles, uh, the Eagles defensive coaches spent Monday looking at James Madison film. So that kind of shows you what kind of week it is for the Cowboys. The Cowboys are also getting rid of like all these defensive players this week. Uh, so a lot to track there in, in terms of the Cowboys personnel. And uh, we will have tomorrow your, and when I say your, I, I mean our uh, listeners and our, our subscribers, your trade possibilities. I, I will look at a lot of those, and, and uh, maybe Howie Roseman will get some ideas. And uh, oh. look forward to Monday's podcast. Maybe Darryl Or I'm Moore sorry, Friday's podcast. Ideas. Yeah. Can we do uh, an Anna Rumo with Danucci, or does it not uh, work as well? Uh, I mean, I think we could still do it. I'm always down to kill a bit. Okay. You can work it into the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Danucci! Oh, Danucci! Give me the new pasta fajoul over here, huh? Okay. Yeah, Danucci! <laughs> what am I? I'm open over here! All right. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I think that works well. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, that's okay. all that matters. Good stuff. Well, you know, shout out to uh, Coach Flynn's son. Hopefully, he'll enjoy that. Yes. All right. Well, uh, that'll do it for this episode of Birds with Friends. For Zach and Sheil and Marissa, I'm Bo. Thanks for listening. And as always, hold on. Oh wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, go ahead. Are you that you didn't answer that you got to answer oh, the Peter right. K question? Oh. Salary a doubled three year deal, great benefits over there at NBC Sports. I hear mm. also. I don't really hear that. We have great. We listen. If any of the high, we have great benefits at the Athletic. Uh, no, I'm birds with friends for life. What is? Yeah, give me a break. <laughs> because as always, ti vogliamo bene. Birds with